What's up, everybody? I'm Jamal. And I'm Brandon. And this is The Way We Ball. Alrighty, everybody. We are back for episode two of the 2024 season. Uh, We missed you guys last week. Work and life got in the middle of the podcast, but we are back. Um, Not a lot has happened. I didn't think we'd be having this talk, but honestly, not a lot has happened. It was probably fitting that we didn't come out with an episode last week because there wasn't much to talk about. Uh, Brandon, how's it been going since we last spoke? Um, Just like he said, man, it's been pretty quiet. Not many moves have been made. Uh, the only big thing is officially goodbye Corey Barrett as he's off to Cincinnati and better for it. I'm surprised he went that quickly, to be honest with you. I didn't know how big of a market there would be for him, but apparently there is one, so... Thank you for your service, Corey, but uh, have a good one, and uh, we'll we'll see him around uh, possibly in league play. Sorry, I didn't hear that. Was that goodbye or good riddance? <laughs> I know for you it's good riddance. I, for me, it was a nice surprise with Corey. Like, without him, I, I don't – you cannot mention this season without mentioning Corey Barrett a part of it. You know what I mean? And in terms of recapping this season, he was a bright spot. Yeah, he was, he did surprise me. He started off not too hot and then he had that little streak, the, the scory Baird streak. Yep. For me, it's just come playoff time. Was he ever really a threat? Were you ever really afraid of him? It, it felt like he hindered us more than he helped us. Um, cause you know, semifinals, the last four teams standing, that's when you, uh, that's when the cream rises to the top, so to speak. And I just, I've, not to beat a dead horse, but that midfield we have and some of these players that we have and, and the point that they are in their career, I really want to take advantage of that. With that being said, we haven't done much to take advantage of that. We're getting Sebas back. Is that really something to be excited about? Ask me that last year, I would have said yes. After what we've seen this year, despite a move to Brownsville, uh, despite a move to Brazil, um, <laughs> he hasn't seen or done much. So, um, you know, I, I'm harping that. Scory Baird wasn't the guy, wasn't the four to have for this current team, but we really haven't upgraded since his departure. Okay, so that kind of brings me to discussing a little bit with Sebas coming back and, and him trying to fit into this team now and Corey leaving. Because you're not big on Corey. For me, I'm I'm fine. I'm a little bit higher on that. So in this aspect, Corey's gone, and now we replaced Sebas. Seba with him. Sorry, sorry, my apologies. Sebas. Now, with that, we still have the same amount of strikers. What I mean is, it's still Aliu and Thor behind him. Now we've just replaced Baird with Sebas. Is that a step up in your mind? Are you asking me? Any other system? Yes. Ben Olsen's system, no, because of what he asks from his striker. So that's why uh, that's why I'm I'm nervous. Like we, like I said, we haven't upgraded. Typically, I'd say yes, just based off skill. We know Sebas can score. He had some beautiful goals the year prior to last year, but that's not what Ben Olsen is asking when it comes to his forward. And we we now know the style that Ben Olsen looks for, what he wants. Um, and it's frustrating because I believe. We don't have Sebas because we think he's the best fit. We have Sebas because no one's going to take that contract. And that's that's not a good okay, thing. Okay, so, 
So this is where I'm going to push back. I think we know what Ben wants when it comes to our defensive shape and how he wants the formations to look and kind of the gameplay to go out. I don't think he really knows what he wants in his striker. Because if you look behind Corey, Aliu, okay, a little bit, but he's a big, strong guy in the box. That's like, he's got good speed, but just bad at finishing. And then there's Thor, a big, strong guy who's good in the box, but not very fast. And so then there was Corey, who had great runs, but wasn't very big and not very strong. And he was the one that started, but then you have two big, strong guys behind him. Now you're bringing in Sebas, who... I think as long as he can score goals, I mean, he had 13 goals and three assists in his first season. In fact, the most surprising thing is that was a record, by the way, for the Dynamo. For somebody in their first season with the Dynamo, that set a club record for 13 goals. And that was, granted, on a really crappy team. We keep saying, can he buy in? Can he buy in? That is a big question. I do wonder that myself. But I do think in terms of Getting a better striker than Corey? Somebody that can score goals? Yeah, I think we upgraded. Has he been doing it recently? Yeah, no, no, blah, blah, blah. But he has proven in the MLS that he can score. I think we've solidified this midfield and this defense that I'm I'm willing to try it out now. I'm talking myself more into it at this point because his ceiling ceiling has just cracked. And now he's all floor, man. Like, we got to see, like, in terms of his price because he's at his lowest point right now on the floor. So if he can play really well and have this comeback tour, then maybe we can actually make some money off this guy. Well, I mean, to your point, Olsen has only has only been able to select one of those strikers, which was Aleu. Thor was grandfathered in when he got here. Sebas was yeah, Pat's kept decision. Him. Well, I, I know, I'm, but I mean... What's he going to do? He doesn't have any strikers. I, f- I feel like he was kind of the the hand was kind of forced to to keep him. I mean, he it does. I don't. It doesn't look like we have that much cash to spend on a striker. The striker that he that was picked under his regime was just Aleu. Again, I, I'm I've said it before. I don't like the fact that Pat broke the record on a signing fee when we didn't have a coach in place, and the coach that ended up coming lasted for like half a season. So. Now we're in the situation that we're in, and it's frustrating because, again, Areta's not going to get younger, and it show, we have a good team. We just don't have the most important piece uh, when it comes to scoring goals, which is the forward. So I'm with you that that uh, Sebas can score. We saw it. The proof is in the pudding, so to speak. But I'm just concerned that he's not going to get the playing time I'm concerned that the style's not going to fit to him. At the end of the day, if Areta likes him and Areta can feed it to him, nothing else matters. Um, I just, I, I, I'm very curious to how this is going to play out, how this season's going to play out with Sebas coming back and Olsen seemingly having to play him. Um, I, I just, I feel like we're we're just cornered into into playing him, not because of we, not because of choice, but because of necessity. Well, then kind of going to that so then he's gonna have to play because you just mentioned we kept Thor because we're depleted at that so I think he will get games to prove it unless we do something in the transfer market now I'm gonna throw out some names for you here of some available players this is strictly like guys that will be out of contract and looking for other clubs I threw in some names that are semi kind of a stretch but you'll also see with their age 
could actually genuinely happen. So the first one that is going to be available in terms of a forward that's MLS proven is Michael Berrios. Now, I know that's not very popular because he was a Frisco player for a long time, but he was a productive Frisco player there for a long time. Uh, He was with uh, the Galaxy in Colorado for this uh, past 2023 season. 26 games, three goals, three assists. Uh, He's kind of a hit or miss player. I mean, if when he's on, he's great. But when he's off, he's absolutely just miserable. But he could be a good depth piece. Another good one. Now, this one is pretty much a stretch, but uh, he's old. Marco Ruiz down in uh, Portman. He's going to be 34, man. Uh, That's a big swing. But wow, if we could get him, that'd be incredible. It, again, he's going to be out on his way out. They don't think that they'll sign him, but I think he's still got some champion leagues here left in him, but that would be a fun one. Um, Olivier Giroud. I know that one sounds funny. He's 37 years old, but he has already been approached by Vancouver and Atlanta United. So it's not crazy to say that he could come here. He's still actually producing. So I think it's somebody that his game would translate over here in the MLS. Alexi Sanchez, 35. Same thing with Enner. He's a... Uh, Hasn't been that great this year, but again, he has played in all their Champions League games at 35, aging out. Would be a great fit here down here, especially the Chilean striker. And then finally, uh, Mikhail Antonio. He's 33 years old. Uh, He's at West Ham. He's been really productive for them, but he's kind of been their only striker, and now he's aging out. Would be a nice little steal. So those are some players that are going to be out of a contract here and available for us. Some of them are a stretch. What do you think, Cole? There's some of the strikers that are available for you right now. I like how you started so unassuming with that first pick, and then it just went to Giroud and Marco Ruiz. And yeah, but 37 goals. years old, 35, 33. I mean, it's not out of the question. And also, Giroud has been pursued by MLS clubs. Alexi Sanchez, I could easily see him in an MLS kit. I mean, these aren't that big of a sw- dude Messi's here are you kidding me at this point like anybody can genuinely come here oh I believe that they'll come here I just don't know if if we're going to spend the money um so that's my my only thing I I don't have a reason not to think um uh ownership has shown Siegel has shown that he's willing to to put in a pretty penny towards his team I just think I have PTSD and I'm not used to an ownership actually investing so um I think Giroud would be would be awesome. Um, I like Alexi Sanchez, if I'm being honest with you. Out of all those names, I would love to have an Alexi Sanchez here. Um, and, I mean, you know, Spanish-speaking guy, I think he would thrive in Houston. I think he'd do really well here. Um, because a lot of these guys, like take Gerard, for example, when he came to the to the U.S., he was miserable, didn't last very long. A lot of these dudes, it matters for them to feel comfortable, to enjoy living in the U.S. And so out of all those dudes, I could really see Sanchez outside of the field thriving in Houston. That's a good call because Jarrah did even complain in the L.A., quote-unquote, L.A. heat, which is just hilarious because you, you tell L.A., I think, just sunny and gorgeous, but wait till he came to the shell, you know? But, yeah, you're exactly right. Adjusting to the culture in terms of just – Literal temperature is a big one. Yeah. Alexi would well, be a nice fit for that. I'm here for it. Where's uh, Gerard at right now? Since he was so worried about the culture or the not the culture, the the heat. Now he's coaching in uh, where is he? The Turkish leagues or the Saudi leagues now? He's in Saudi, and I think they get a little bit hotter than LA. So yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah, now he's in the desert. But I remember uh, another complaint he had was the travel. People don't realize how big the U.S. is, and I mean, 
you know, coming from England where it's just a 30, 40 minute flight, like chartered flight. And then you come to the U S where you're switching time zones. So, um, yeah. that's why, like, I feel like any little, any little advantage you can get in these guys being comfortable living here, go for it. So, I mean, out of all those guys would sound great. I, I could see Alexis Sanchez, uh, really, really thriving. And I think he gets along with, uh, Griezmann, right? So, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, so okay. In this case, talking about these guys, we would need, as you mentioned, money. Coco, he hasn't been sold, man. He's still sticking around. Why? I think if we're selling him, it's going to be a last second um, sell to. I think he's going to Spain. Uh, I think it's just the business. You wait to the last minute to see who's really a player in the game, who's calling a bluff. Um, I just think the whatever suitors are involved, I think they're just waiting last minute to see if, if he really is a, a hot commodity. Cause I know there is rumors that he's going to Mexico. Um, I just think it's, they're just playing hardball. I think he's going to be gone. I just, I think it's going to be a last, you know, you know, when you play FIFA and it's like that last hour <laughs> as uh, the windows closing in that hour. Yeah. So, well, okay. You say they are playing hardball. Who's they, do you think it's other clubs or do you think it's us? I think it's us putting out that there's more interest than there is. For, I mean, I, I could be wrong. I'm I'm speaking from a fan's perspective. So in my eyes, he lost all the hype that was there this playoff run. But um, yeah, I think that the Dynamo are playing hardball because Pat has made it clear he has a specific price tag that he has for Coco. Um, and I, I don't remember what that is right now, but I think Pat's trying to get as close as possible to that price tag because I think he hurt himself this last season. Coco's kind of more ball out on this upcoming season in terms of returning with us. So, I mean, is he really going to be that thrilled? We're like five weeks away from the season starting. So in this case, do we want a Coco who already has coming off a bad stint in terms of bad playoffs? I don't think he'll be disgruntled. I don't think he's that kind of guy. Plus, I don't think that locker room would allow it. But I'm starting to get a bit worried. I'm starting to worry that the market is not what people thought it was. But we kind of need to sell him. We we have these glaring holes that his position can already be fixed. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm. Uh, I feel like the reason this offseason has been so quiet is because of two guys: that's Sebas and that's Coco. We're not doing anything until we move that payroll, move that salary out of the payroll, and move those slots, move those. DP slot. But we have a DP slot right now, though. We have one DP slot available after getting rid of Teenage. I could be wrong, but I think that if they're going to use that DP slot, they're going to swing for the fences, and we can't swing for the fences with all that cash that's being tied up right now in just those two guys. I think it's a matter of one of those dominoes falling. I think the easier domino to fall is going to be Coco. I don't see anything happening until he's sold. Unfortunately, my fear is now that. Go ahead. Well, just that I think he's gone. I don't think he's going to be a. He's going to be wearing orange or purple, uh, (laughs) come day one or come game one. I just, I just don't know how much we're going to get from him. And uh, keep in mind, I think Pat. I take it back. I take. I was going to say I think Pat's on a short leash just because of how much he spent on Sebas, but we had an incredible run. And so um, I, don't, I don't know if he's on a short leash now, looking back at it. Financially, I think he is, and that's why he's trying to get the most out of that Coco deal. But at the end of the day, 
you're here to win. We got a cup. We went to the semifinals. So I don't know if he really is on a short leash. I'm honestly hoping for the comeback of Sabas. Like I really am because at this point we all have to drink the Kool-Aid. It doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. So oh, man. look, I, I'll be the first guy to buy a Sebas kit. I want the comeback <laughs> to happen. Like not only is he like, I mean, not only do we need it, but he's a marketable dude. He's a good looking dude. I could see him like really being the face of this franchise. If he can just play consistently and score, like, I mean, just think him and Nereda, I, I could really see them being like the dynamic duo when it's he, when you think of a face for the for the dynamo. Mate, Sebas gives me that vibe that when he's on your team you like him, but when he's not on your team you easily hate him. You know what I mean? Like like oh, a yeah. Grayson Allen or something like that because he gets very hot headed and. I don't think it's like an Escobar where it's a hot headed that it's for your team. His hot headed is for Sebas. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, he's just definitely think... a poor man's version of Darwin Nunez. Yeah, I mean, yeah. To me, he thinks he's like Ibrahimovic, but he's just Sebas. <laughs> like, it's it's very frustrating. I'm curious if I was going to say ball in or ball out, but just we'll say that we'll save that segment. But like, do you think Sebas came in, tell tucked under his legs, kind of like, Hey guys, I'm willing to give this another shot. Or do you think he came in like, yeah, fuckers, you want to be back because you saw what you, <laughs> what you don't have without me. So which, which scenario played out scenario one, he came in apologetic or scenario two, like two, I'm back, like, baby. because Two, because you went home to your home, like to a league that you dominated in before, and was was embarrassed. Like, no goals. I think it, what I I don't even, I think he came away with one assist or even not one Maybe, assist. Maybe like, it was like a late played thirteen games. Yeah, like it's just. I think you got embarrassed going back to a place where you had an opportunity to show everybody that you could score goals, and you didn't. Man, now you're coming back. You've been at you've been embarrassed in terms of being outplayed in Ben's system and kind of when you thought, fine, what's going to, what are you going to do without me? Okay. We went to the semifinal in the Western conference and we won the U S open cup over inner Miami. Like, I think we can live without you at this point. You can't live without us. Your career will extremely in a lot of ways die. If you don't make some sort of comeback. Do you think part of it had to do with him getting that big payday? Because you know how they say a lot of these guys get demotivated when they get that big paycheck? Do you think that's a, an issue that we had with Sebas? Yeah, but you know, I think that pendulum swings both ways. Like I, I know getting a big payday, people can feel like, oh, they just buy big houses and cars. But it can also swing the other way. A lot of people start coming at you for money, and that can be super stressful when you're dealing with so many people on a payroll. So like – could be one way or the other, and especially trying to adjust in America, like on a fat sack of money. Like I could see that being something that can just kind of cripple you a little bit. And now you're in a system that doesn't fit you and you're you're just a little bit peeved. Like, hey, I was the goal scorer. I set the club record here. And now all of a sudden you're demoted and Corey Baird's going to take your place. Like I could see that being a big ego demotion. Uh, my hope now is that this locker room is so solidified with like good vibes and good times that it builds them back. We got to make it that happen that way. Otherwise this is going to really hurt us. Like it really will, especially with nothing going on. Would you be willing to take a loss financially? If that meant getting rid of him and going after someone we really want? Yeah. hundred percent at this point for sure. 
we we got to start looking towards the the transfer market of of getting some players in. You know me, I want MLS guys, but that seems to be drying up a little bit of the talent available. So we'll we'll see. It's crazy to me that like there's already media day and the season is just creeping up so quickly. Um, but yeah, so okay. Based on what we've seen so far, do you think there's going to be a change in the team shape or the game model as far as all the personnel changes that we're seeing? So I think in that case, are we going to see a different style of play or mentality is is how I take that question. No, I think we know what butters our bread. I, I think we revisit that question if... Hector doesn't look like Hector from this past season. What I mean is, I don't know, maybe he ages, maybe he gets injured. We, we, we'd we have to really adapt. If he can be the same type of fluid point guard-esque type of player, no, we live and die by that. Yeah, I don't. It's too new. We went too far. I think that'd be too drastic to just change our, our identity and the way we play and who we are. And I feel like that style really fit really fit us really fit the guys we have on the squad yeah. um really it's like uh pat had mentioned on his press conference when he got hired like when you played houston you knew who you were playing during his playing days you knew that it was going to be a tough day it's going to be a hot tough physical day like you knew who you were playing or what you're getting when you came to houston i feel like while the identity identity is a little bit different it's still an identity and so now yeah with this current team people know what to expect when when they come to shell stadium well, especially through two coaches of Tab and Naga, where we just kept screaming about the tactics and the way it was played. Like, it was so frustrating. That's not really how the fan base perceives Ben's style of play. Like, it's more frustrating where it's like, God, if we could only have some guy who could finish, you know what I mean? It's more about, like, getting the right piece, not about how we just hate the whole entire system. So I, I, I think everybody, in terms of how the style of play is not only instilled in terms of the team culture, but now it's a lot of the fan culture. We're more excited for this team. And with excitement comes expectations. Agreed. All righty, Brandon. So our next segment, one of my favorites, Balling Around the Globe, the segment where we take a soccer story from anywhere in the world and present it to you, our faithful listeners. Brandon, you want to kick things off with this week's Balling Around the Globe? I do. As always, we uh, will start with questions as well. But for this installment of balling around the globe we will go to west london and we are going to chelsea now jamal my question to you is what is a fruit or my apologies what is a vegetable that you would consider should be banned and not only just banned it would be a crime for you to be in possession of oh peas easily (laughs) oh well (laughs) why 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 do you just hate peas I I hate I love vegetables. I'm a big vegetable guy. I cannot do peas. Can't do it. <laughs> well, no, actually, I didn't know this, but Chelsea uh, celery is extremely banned. Do you know why? They don't like uh, wings. And, uh, what is it? Wingstop? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. So Chelsea fans have been bringing celery to the bridge for decades now, most likely in order to pay homage to their chant celery they have a chant that's specifically on celery but however according to a club statement the blues have reminded fans that bringing celery to the ground is in fact outlawed 
and that any fan caught bringing the dangerous vegetable to the ground could face a lifetime ban from the Blues' home ground. Now, they went on to stay from the club. The throwing of anything at a football match, including celery, is a criminal offense for which you can be arrested and end up with a criminal record. In future, if anyone is found attempting to bring celery into Stamford Bridge, they could be refused entry, and anyone caught throwing celery will face a ban. The statement then goes into direct fans to a hotline they could call to report others seen carrying celery, promoting that all calls will be treated in confidence. Well, so were they bringing the that. celery into the ground? Yeah, and then so they would throw them at fans, or they would throw them at uh, players and stuff like that. And it's apparently during a chant of celery. So now it is a criminal offense to carry celery. It's like, it's not very aerodynamic. It's not going far. Like, get a melon, I, I get mean, a that kiwi. A, yeah, dude, you need a chooch to kind of throw some celery. Wrestling, you got like a whole stock or something like that. I doubt they're bringing sliced celery or maybe fill a little ants on the log. But yeah, there you go. Can't bring celery to Stanford Bridge. So if you're eating healthy, I wonder if celery is like sold in like storage. No way. Not, not, not like, you know, you can't like go to the, like the, I doubt they have like a local trail burger in their stadium or whatever. Isn't their rules different? Like you can't have any yeah. alcohol during the game. It's only at halftime or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was just there last year um, and I'll be there next week. But uh, yeah, baby. yeah. So no food, no drink during the match play. You can run out like during halftime. During halftime, you can run out to the concessions and there's a designated drinking spot, but you have to kill it. Like you have to chug it before the match is on and then run back to your seat. So uh, yeah, it was very different not having like food or drink. Like you're just sitting there empty handed. I mean, it was like, it was a cool experience, you know, because there, like there's sometimes like when you're walking back to your seat at Shell, you don't want to step on someone's burger or whatever. Um, and it was funny because I was talking to a local there. I was showing a video of when I went to go see an America game. And I was showing them how like at Azteca, like there's ramen noodles. They even have like the bandulce. Like they, the, the concessions there are just so different from what we're used to. And he thought it was the craziest thing having somebody go up the aisles with the cart, like the same way we have like our beer vendors, right? At any pro sports game. Hot and he dog, was like, lemonade. Yeah. And he was saying if that would happen here and and this was, uh, that was a Fulham match. So I saw Fulham Arsenal and he said, if this happened here, people would throw their crap at that guy to get out of the way. Cause they're just like 90 minutes. They're zoned in. They don't need somebody blocking their view. And I mean, those stadiums are so they're like Craven Cottage was built in the 1800s. It's, and you feel yeah. it like the seats are tiny everyone's closed in so if a guy's in front of you selling hot dogs he's going to be blocking your entire view so it's, it's crazy how different the culture is um it's funny you bring up Wait, chelsea. You said, well, hold on before we go into chelsea you said if you don't finish the food or drink like by halftime do you just have to throw it away or can you stay on like you can, the concourse no, no, you and finish can kill it? it but you can't go to your seat oh so okay you just have to kill at that designated spot and then but the the, the concession shut down like one, once kickoff once the half starts oh they just close close down yeah <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> my uh it's funny because i went with my little cousin he got yelled at by security because security already knows like the time so they already knew like okay there's five minutes until kickoff starts if you're not at a certain point in the line you're just wasting your time because you're not going to get the beer in time to to kill it and so like my cousin wasn't used to the rules there so i was like hey you might we should probably leave like you're not going to get your beer and 
you know, American arrogance. He's like, no, no, I'm good. We're going to have it. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. And then right when he said that, the, the security, big, big dude was like, you, you don't, what did he say? He was like, you're not going to get your fucking beer. Get the fuck out. <laughs> and like, dude, my cousin's a kid. He's like a 20, 21 year old kid. He was just like, oh, so, uh, Thank you, sir. yeah, it was awesome, man. Like just, it's so different compared to like a Liga MX game. Just both fans are very passionate. They just show their passion in different ways. The one thing I do appreciate about English fans, unlike a lot of like even even our fans, not, and this isn't a bad thing at all, but their chants are very choreographed. And it's like, okay, from at the 25th minute, we're going to chant this. At the 30th minute, we're going to chant at this guy. And where us, it's like, you know, the, the drums are just nonstop all game long. There's not a lot of cohesion. Again, there's no right or wrong way. Each culture is different. And I love that we're more, you know, me being Hispanic, I, I like that we gravitate more towards the Hispanic side, but I can't appreciate the the English way of cheering. I guess it's a lot similar to the German style too. Dude, anything besides American sports style of chanting defense, <laughs> like it's just, oh, man. it's so uncreative. It's my number one thing I hate the most about just quote unquote American sports chanting. Well, are you ball in or ball out on basketball games with the organ player? I think it's dope if they're playing like as they're dribbling the ball up and stuff like that. Or the organ works even better, especially in like hockey, right? Right before a face off, like it's more iconic in that baseball included as well. But when it's the most simplistic of chants, there's really nothing like and, and not only that, in American sports, if we like a chant, then we beat it to death in every sports. I believe I believe that we that it goes into everything it's so annoying man like nobody comes up with their own thing really yeah there's that chant of the seattle sounders fan i want to say uh fight and win (laughs) that chant alone set u.s soccer back about 10 years nobody took us seriously with that chant they still don't like i get in a bunch of crap on twitter with with english fans i just got into one last week uh because you know I, i just i watch a lot of english soccer all the leagues and um that's always like their low blow to me. It's like, Oh, okay, whatever yank. And then they give me that clip. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. So they just say, okay, yeah. fight and win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, but so I was going to ask you that you bring up Chelsea. I was having this, this discussion with somebody. Do you feel like Chelsea? Okay. Just from the American fan standpoint, cause I'm sure they're still big overseas, but I feel like Chelsea and Arsenal lost some of that, like, fandom here in the u.s after Henri, after drogba there's still a quite a bit of chelsea fans but it's nothing like it was in the early 2000s pulisic helped get a lot of chelsea fans on on brand when he was over there because that was like the one team a lot of people can name if they knew where he was or i should say pulisic and then arsenal kind of had the uptick with the last season arsenal and like tottenham became the fan who just didn't want to say that they were Liverpool fans or Man City fans. They wanted that kind of trendy pick, and and that was it. Now, Arsenal had like a little bit of a moment, but I think Chelsea, more than anything, is starting to lose a lot of fans by how much they're just sucking. So that that's kind of going against them. But remember, everybody was a Wolverhampton fan, too, for like a little bit. But hey, shout out to all them. They love us on, twi- on Twitter. So Oh, yeah, man. I so love the, I. the Wolverhampton guys. Um <laughs> Whole lot of wolves. Check check out their pod. I, Me I, too. I'm not even a Go Wolverhampton fan. Yeah, I'm not even I'm a Wolverhampton not. like that. I hard, am. But I, I give those guys I love. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I'm just saying, like, 
I remember in the early 2000s, even late 90s, you would randomly see Arsenal Chelsea kits. I don't see them as much, uh, just from like the big six. Um, so I, I was just having that thought the other day because I feel like Tottenham has blown up. I, I enjoy watching Tottenham. I like Pasacogno's nah, style. That. I hate Tottenham. Are you? You're anti-Tottenham? Big time. Out of, the, out of ha- the London clubs, I like Tottenham and Fulham. I I, I have a soft spot for Fulham because of Dempsey. Um, and then I guess Tottenham, I don't hate as much as I do like Arsenal, Chelsea, West Ham. Screw that, dude. I hate Tottenham. Uh, I had a, so growing up overseas, like I had a history teacher who was from that area and I hated him. So then he had his club stuff all over like his classroom. And I just remember sitting right there and then in his class, like I'm going to hate that team forever. <laughs> and here I am at 35 still being like, I hate Tottenham. So something stick. Rent free. I had a uh, yeah, not my, not his lessons. My last flight, uh, my last flight I had, I had a male Karen, and he was just a, a huge pain. And anyway, I found out he was an Arsenal fan. So just despite oh, well. him, I hope they do terrible now. I hope they just <laughs> fall down that table. Um, all right, take us around to your balling spot. All right, so this one was tough. I have two stories, um, but I think I'm going to hold the other one for our next episode um, because the other one, the one I'm holding is still to be determined the the final oh. outcome of the story. So my second story is going to involve flying and airlines. I don't know if you saw that viral picture of Alaska airlines and the door just completely came out. Yeah. Well, Did you see how much they offered people? 1500 was it? Yeah, right? for the door blowing off at 16,000 feet, you give me $1,500. Guess where you can go? <laughs> the funny thing is it was probably 1500 in like flight vouchers or like you yeah. know, redeemable with Alaskan Airlines. Well, I bring that yeah. up because AFCON has started, the African Cup of Nations, and mm. Gambia was on their way to play Ivory Coast. Well, they got up in the air and they lasted about six to seven minutes until the plane started losing all of its oxygen. The plane had to do a quick turnaround. They had to ask for an SOS landing. Luckily, they were given it. There was a clear runway that they could use. They landed. Luckily, all the players were safe, uh, but it did take its toll. It has not been a good week for the blue skies. Oh, my God, dude. Losing oxygen, that is... I would rather the door blow open than losing oxygen, to be honest with you. Like... If I'm going out, but, you know, speaking of the door blowing open, did you hear that it was like a kid's, like his shirt got like ripped off of his body and blown out of like the door? <laughs> could, could you oh, imagine like just you and me are up there right now? And just I'm going to be up there next week. That's why I'm like not trying to hear it. Yeah, but just making eye contact with each other. But, you know, you're like, oh, my God, this is terrifying. But like one of us is shirtless. You're just like, yeah, this is a little bit like worse. <laughs> With my luck, it'll like it'll be like the pants, and I just have to be free balling the whole trip back. Yeah. Yeah. You're just telling your girlfriend, "No, oh, babe, it's fine. I'll do laundry when I get there." Yeah. It's funny because yeah, like incredible. Uh, yeah, and so the the reason that was such a big story, well, the reason it was like all over my timeline, um, the left back plays for Wrexham, Jacob Mendy, um, who has a crazy story. I don't know if you if you remember the the series he was. Born in Africa, lived in Spain, moved to Wrexham, learned English just because of of to play in the English league. Um, so really impressive dude. But he was on that flight. He said he was fine. He really didn't notice it. 
Um, I think it affected more of the older guys, like the training staff. Um, but first was carbon pressure, was losing cars, carbon pressure, then the oxygen. But I think they had landed by the time anybody could really feel anything in their lungs. But scary side, man. Oh, my God. Well, like you said, luckily everybody's good. But enjoy your flight, brother. That sounds <laughs> sounds like you're going at a good time. I'm taking the red eye. So knock out. If something happens, I'll be asleep. I think you're taking the exit and at 28,000 feet. So I, I don't think you have to worry about what time it is. Well, just, you know, make sure you pick your new co-host wisely. Big shoes <laughs> yeah. to fill. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, man, you got to edit. <laughs> All right. So that was our ball in around the globe. And then we go to our ball in, ball out, where we take different topics and let the people know whether we're ball in for them or ball out against them. Brandon, what is today's first subject? Uh, as always, they're just silly and dumb. But uh, today, we'll start with one that I actually posted up on Twitter. So, shell, hell in the shell, uh, it gets a dome, but the trade-off is we have to play with turf. You ball in or ball out for that? Ball out. Tur- soccer should never be played on turf. And look, I... I don't get the whole it's too hot thing. Like shell is not an issue for me. We don't play those afternoon games anymore. Like, yeah, it's uncomfortable at times, but like you live in Houston, you know what you're expecting. I don't think the heat is a big of an issue as people make it out to be. Messi could play at 102 degree heat in Houston. That place is going to sell out. So yeah, ball out. It's I, I'm not risking. I'm not giving up. AC just for for turf so I'm out so overall yes I hate turf like I hate watching the games when they're played on turf as well like I enjoy watching sounder games because they're typically really good so you can get a good feel of competition and their home crowd is fun but watching it on a television is not fun seeing that turf so in all I am ball out but I will say it would be sick for it to be like a cell so that way it's hell in the shell cell I'm I'm here for that. So if we could change it up a bit, sure. But overall, no, ball out. All right, so your next one here. This Look, one I'm going to – Hold on. Before you go on, I oh. don't get – because they keep saying how expensive it is. Is it really that pricey to put some kind of tarp over the stadium? Like people throw in these like – these, these uh, temporary <laughs> shades all the time. Is it really that difficult? I think getting it over the stands or over a specific section, like for instance, if we built one over the supporter section using that canopy style, no, then it becomes more to like an engineering structure because they do use that for uh, Texas Southern football as well. So it does limit you on some things that you can do to make money outside of just for, for Dynamo. This is speaking like super ops related as somebody that has to do events and like you learn what you can and can't do. I, I, I think and in essence, putting something over it, you could pick and choose areas. But overall, like, no, I think a lot of it is like it comes down to like structure. Well, I'm just thinking of like Vancouver. Haven't you seen Vancouver? Vancouver has like a weird like netting. And yeah, like a little tent style. Yeah, I don't. That seems like it could be doable. I mean, I don't know. They should have they should have planned that knowing any summer Houston. They're like, I don't know. History could be different going forward. Good goal down. That just that just goes down again to like ownership seeing this as a real estate investment and not for what it was a soccer team because 
they were like, we got this plot of land. It's perfect. It's downtown. Let's put the least amount of money possible to build the stadium. <laughs> like, look, I love Shell. I love our home, but it's it's not up to par with some of these other stadiums. It's cheaply built. It's very basic. It's very bare bones. Again, I love my ugly child, but let's call it what it is. I think the fact that we have a literal badass pitch makes up for so much of everything. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. When you look out at that field of green, like it is just so well manicured that you kind of just fade out of everything around you. So you don't really pay attention to stadium aesthetics. And I know we won that award for best pitch. So there you go. That that goes to show. It's funny because you kind of, you do forget about it. Like going into the, sh- going into shell stadium for the first time, you're like, oh, okay, it's, you know, you go around, check out the restaurants, whatever, but walking up and seeing that grass, you kind of forget about everything else and hundred yeah, percent up for it. All right. So our next one, this one is going to kind of like, it's just throwing out it as a topic, but I'm going to spin it into something here to where I'm going to ask you a deeper kind of question with it. So the Dino Dose, they have to play all their games at Rice or UH. You ball in, ball out for that. So they're they're going to play their home games at U of H or Rice or and Rice, both. Either way you want to frame it. They have to either play half at Rice, half at UH, or they have to play one at the other. Mm, I don't know. That's a good one. I would say I am ball in just because of the eyes you could get there kids students bored nothing to do they can go check out a game the current the current setup isn't the most uh isn't the friendliest as far as like getting there so it's kind of out of the way so i'd be i'd actually ball be ball in for that you can like plan a day out and then go to the bars in rice village or go to the bars there by u of h afterwards so i'm balling so i will wrap mine up quickly and then kind of lead it to a bigger discussion here ball in because I think those kids are around those college kids age. So it would be fun to watch it in that aspect. You could market it around like college night and do fun things at the games. The, the student, the student section would essentially be their supporter section. So I think that'd be a lot of fun ball in for that. Now comes my question of you're talking about the setup. They play out there in Pearland where the Sabercats play and the Sabercats setup is, is it's a nice setup. Don't get me wrong. It looks great. But there's nothing really out there. So now comes my question to you is what would it take for you to actually go out to a Dino Dose game? The same reason the Space Cowboys sell out whenever a big name plays. <laughs> I, I think it would take that. It would take a big name to go out there. Or are you saying like on a regular I, consistent basis, what would what would it take? I mean, yes, that too. But like, for instance, working with the Space Cowboys, we still get a good crowd even if we if we don't get a big person because we've built that in the community over time. It fits where we are. I don't know if that necessarily fits out there in Pearland. Like, I, I don't know. I've never been out to a Dynados game. I've worked with people who worked their games. And to me, it just doesn't sound like they have a thriving community that's really going to work there. So to me, I if you market it towards those colleges, I think that's an interesting kind of marriage there where they can kind of get behind that team and kind of adopt something well i mean you kind of hit on a point if if you really want to make this team like like a thing the way sugarland is and you know have people fall in love with it and have this like emotional attachment i would have just named it pearland something i would have made a pearland team and give it that community involvement the same way the space cowboys it was sugarland like when you think sugarland you think space cowboys i would have made I would have made Dino Dose all about Pearland, made that 
their first, you know, professional semi-pro or whatever you want to call it. Um, and just really focus on the Perlan community. Um, I, I mean, looking back at it, that actually would have probably been a better idea to be honest with you, because then you can <laughs> use that as a, as a bridge into the dynamo. That's the only thing. Cause I, I, I've been intrigued following like some of these dynamo signings and I'm like, oh man, it'd be kind of fun because they did have after a uh, dynamo match, then they had a dynamo match. I was like, oh, they should kind of bring that back or do that every time. But I don't know. I, I just, I didn't stay around last time. I don't think many people did that time either. So there has to be something different because I think there is a market for that. As somebody that works in the minor leagues, I would like for see to see that grow. Yeah, no, I would definitely like, I, I, I don't think I'm saying anything crazy. There's no front office staff for the Dynados. They kind of, it just bleeds into duties of the Dynamo staff. So um, if you want to go that route, I would definitely cut out a portion of the staff to really hyper-focus on Dynados, rename it to, you know, Perland, Perlandos, uh, hot shots <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Like, you know, bring back an old cool name that we're used to, um, or, you know, just give it its own identity. And I mean, at the end of the day, that's, are you allowed important. to do that? Yeah. There's are they? Like, I, I, in, in, in their now. league. I, I, I really don't follow it as much as I, I should, you know what I mean? Yeah. Look like, Unless the, and this is gonna this is an even bigger like rabbit hole, but unless USL changes their structure, that league is not gonna be anything in the next ten years. I think I think MLS Next is gonna take over what USL Championship once was, and maybe even surpass that. Um, if you look, a lot of the better ran USL Championship franchises have moved on to the MLS Next as independent franchises. Um, I mean, Chattanooga Red Wolves prime example. So. Um, unless USL, I, I really think USL needs to adopt promotion relegation because they're just a sitting duck. And if you look anywhere MLS goes to, they just, they take out the USL championship team in that market within the year. So USL needs to do something different because it, it can't play, it can't play fair with MLS. It's going to get destroyed. So with that being said, yeah, you can be an independent club. You can rename it. It doesn't have to be down to dose. It's the easier thing to do because, again, they want to use the same front office for both clubs. But if you really want to make that a thing and develop a, an identity, I would definitely rename it, lose the Dynamo tie, um, or not lose the Dynamo tie, but, you know, Perlan something and then kind of bridge that gap. Have like the same jerseys is what I would do, but just like your own logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the same, same colors. colors. Yeah. Yeah. Or like Marriage the Dynamo logo way. with like. Damn. Instead of a not instead of a hexagon, like do like a pair with dynamo inside, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. That's actually dope. We, damn, let's uh, let's get a bunch of money and 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 buy this and do that. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the last one always is silly and nonsense, but this one I have noticed is uh, kind of like a hot topic as I've been throwing this one around the office. But hitting the snooze button, you ball in or ball out on hitting the snooze button. I'm ball in. The snooze button is that last oh. is that last amount of hope that you know what? If I take this extra five minutes, I'm going to feel so much better. You don't feel better, <laughs> no. But it's just knowing that you have that little bit of extra time that you're waking up on your terms, not on the alarms terms. I'm all about the snooze button, mate. I am proud to say I have literally never hit the snooze button in my life. Like I have never set an alarm and when it's gone off, just clicked it and gone back to bed. Like, and it's just, it's never happened. If I set an alarm and it goes off, 
I get up. So every morning when my alarm goes off for work, it is so regulated that my dogs jump out of bed because they know we're going outside to go to the bathroom because that is how we go and flow. So every time I have an alarm go off, it is like a Pavlock dogs. So like if I set one for like 930 at night for some reason, because I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to pick that up and it goes off. You just see my dog just like start running for the door and you're like, oh, all right. But are you naturally a morning person? qualified to speak on it. I'm an I'm every I'm everything kind of person. Like I don't really I'm not one of those like, oh, you don't wake me up and dark to me before I have my coffee. I, I can wake up and and do things. Yeah. Sounds like what a morning person would say. <laughs> but like, I, I mean, not really. Like I also sleep in when I have free time. You know what I mean? Like if I don't have work the next day, I can sleep till like, I can sleep in with the best of them. I'm not up at like 8 a.m. and like folding laundry or anything like that. I wake up and like play video games. It, no, man, I, I can push it to like 10, 1030. <laughs> Watch out for this guy. <laughs> but I just, I mean, I also don't really sleep that much like sleep isn't my game so hitting the snooze that's not a problem for me that's my starting gun um well i have i'm gonna throw a curveball it's not really like a ball in or ball out segment um but this weekend or can you hear me yeah oh okay my earbuds went off um this weekend i was gifted a lego set of anfield and I am ashamed to admit how much fun I had building that thing. I opened it and I was like, oh, I'll give it 10 minutes. I was stuck for hours building this little thing. And how long do you think it is until we get a shell Lego set? Look at that bad boy. Oh, dude, that thing's dope. I can't believe you built that, man. I, I honestly, like, I was never a Lego kid. I don't know if I've ever like built anything sustainable oh, for like. Neither was I. From and I'm like extremely pissed <laughs> off at my parents for not giving me Legos. But, like, dude, I would have had a blast. I mean, I would partake in like other activities and then do Legos would be more of my speed. I don't know, but I love this. So, Ted, make some calls. We need a shell Lego some set. Legos. Hell in the shell Legos. I'm all for it. I would be dope for that. Yeah. No, but that's sick though. That's a, uh, that's a tight little uh, thing. If you buy a second one, put it together for me and then send me that. Uh, well, I mean, I might, when I go up there, if, cause, because this isn't the like official Lego set, it's like the off brand Lego. So if I find the actual Lego, I'm buying that and you can have my, uh, my scraps. Oh, I do want that one. Yeah. Then a hundred percent. I genuinely do want that. I know Just you don't take credit it or whatever. And then they don't like come apart. I'm totally taking credit for it. Yeah. I spent hours doing that. Uh, it was a pretty eventful episode considering we had no team news. So hopefully this time next week, we will have some exciting news to share. But for this week's episode, I'm Jamal. And I'm Brandon. And this is The Way We Ball.